everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of A Good Story Starts With. I have one of my good friends here today. Um, we joke around a lot, and there's going to be a high level of sass in this <laughs> one, so just just warning you in advance. Um, but Neil, introduce yourself and tell me who are you and whose you are. Oh, dang. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, Wilma. Um, well, my, I, I actually went like super deep with this. Um, and you know, you always, you always have people introducing themselves in different ways. Um, Mm -hmm. so I like to introduce myself in terms of who's I am. So you already asked it, dang, you've, you've gotten rid of my special intro. That's all right. You can, you can take it. Go for it. Uh, so my name is Neil. I would say, first of all, I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. And then I would say I'm a son to parents. So I've got, um, a mom and dad, Sarah and Colin. I've got a brother and sister. And so Sean and Dana are my brother's brother and sister. Mm-hmm. And I'm also the boyfriend of a girl called Alicia. So they're oh. the people whose I am. Um, and then there's a whole heap of other people. But that's that's the kind of like circle that you need to know. Um, that's exciting. So I'm Neil. Those are my people. <laughs> that's, oh, nice to meet you, Neil's people. So this is the first time I'm hearing about Alicia. So, of course, I'm going to ask, who's Alicia? Tell me all about her. I know. Um, um, Alicia is this wonderful girl that I met um, actually many years ago. And then uh, we recently worked together in an office um, at work. And then mm-hmm. Ooh, someone, workplace like, mutual, a mutual friend set us up. Where did this come from? It was incredible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, do I know her? As in, like, you knew her in Dunedin or? Yeah, well, I didn't know her in Dunedin. You might have okay. met her. Um, okay. She was part of the Christian groups down there. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Well, mm. hopefully you'll get to hear this, Alicia. And hello, how are you? Thank you for being kind to this man and saying yes to him. Um, <laughs> we both know he can be a little bit annoying at times, but uh, you, you're great. You're great. I love you even before I even knew you. Um, just, <laughs> but um, aside from like teasing the living daylights out of you, Neil, uh, how have you been? <laughs> I've been good. I haven't I haven't talked to you in ages. Um, yeah. So I've been working um, mm-hmm. in. Um, oh, so just so people won't know this, um, I'm a doctor, and I've been working now for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've recently been working in Ashburton, which is an hour out of the main. Um, main city of Christchurch in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been there for about four months and mm-hmm. halfway through my placement. Um, so I've been good. I've been working there um, and enjoying life. I've been getting into a sort of water sports for the first time in my life. So like lots of getting into in what, sorry? I'm enjoying water sports. Oh, like water polo. Yeah. No, 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 not, not <laughs> actual sports. <laughs> Like, like actually getting into the water, I think is what I meant. <laughs> Paddleboarding, those kinds of things. <laughs> I just thought that. No, not water, not actual sports, like actually. I, All come, right. from, okay. I come from a tropical country. Right? Okay, fair enough. Getting into the water in New Zealand is a massive achievement for me, so it's a yeah, water sport. Yeah, New Zealand's pretty cold. <laughs> But um, so are you a registrar now in Ashburton or? Yeah. yeah. Ooh, ooh. Three, three or four months now as a new registrar. I feel, <laughs> I feel quite fresh. Oh my goodness. Look at you. <laughs> um, that's pretty exciting. 
Uh, maybe actually to explain how awesome being a registrar is, maybe you should like talk about the like um, huge hierarchy system that oh. is in the medical field. Um, so we start off um, just before we graduate, we're interns. And so interns have to do everything that the, like the very junior doctor tells them. But when you become the very junior doctor, you have to do everything that the person above do- tells you and you just keeps going until you're the boss. And even when you're the boss, you have more senior bosses and you just have to keep doing what they tell you. So um, at the very bottom, it's a whole heap of paperwork. At the very top, there's a whole heap of life changing decisions. And <laughs> so there's no comfortable spot, but at the moment I'm sort of in a sweet spot and I think it's, it's okay. Yeah. that's. Did you choose mm. which discipline you wanted? Cause I remember we were talking that yeah. you wanted to do pediatrics, but yeah, Ashburton, <laughs> So, I, I, I don't pediatrics. I don't see Ashburton mm. and pediatric specialists like working. No. So yeah, um, okay. I did I did Ashburton for eight months and mm-hmm. sorry, I did pediatrics just for eight months and I really didn't like it. <laughs> I love the kids. <laughs> but I did not like it at all. Okay. Um and so I don't think I would do that long term. Mm-hmm. I love kids still. I like go and play with them and um and things like that, but in terms of doing it as a specialty, it's very difficult. So. Okay. What what did you end up choosing? Like, do you have an idea? Top three? Yeah. So I've already gotten into a training program. And so ah. I'm going to be trained as a rural medical specialist. That's awesome. <laughs> You're going to be in high demand everywhere. I know. Even in Aussie. Like, yeah. They, they're training people specifically to work in small hospitals. And that'll be me in New Zealand. Yeah. That's so Because it's like... Rural is its own niche of itself in terms of like, not only you have limited budget, but you also mm. have like varying cultures that you have to deal with. And it's, it's quite special. I, mm. Like I worked in Alexandra, mm. which is considered like rural. Mm. Um, <laughs> so like you saw everything. You couldn't be like a, you couldn't, as a scientist, you couldn't just be like, oh, I only do hematology or I only do biochemistry. You had to be quite broad mm. in everything. You had to know everything. So I enjoyed that. So that was fun. Mm. But man, I'm so proud of you. Like, <laughs> you're a registrar now. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> I'm like, I remember you back in first year in Dunedin. And look at you now. Uh-oh. Please look stop. <laughs> But 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 in all seriousness, in all seriousness, Neil, I like what you've done with your hair today. Oh, dang. Okay, guys. So so before before I let Wilma tell the story from her perspective, which I don't want her to. Um, there was one time it was my birthday, and guess what Wilma says to me? She says, Neil. I really like what you've done with your hair. And I was like, what? Oh, thank you. And she's like, how'd you get it to come out of your nose like that? (laughs) I just had no words for you. You actually cracked me up and soul destroyed me all in one comment. (laughs) It's a specialty. It's an actual specialty. Um, But yes, I, yes, I do have a sassy side. (laughs) And, But it was so great. It was so great. Oh, but man. Oh, we actually have to focus on. (laughs) But how is Christchurch um, in terms of like, because I know you obviously like 
grew up in Christchurch and then lived in Dunedin and then lived in Christchurch now. But hmm. how is Christchurch? How's your family? Um, Christchurch is going well. So I think um, after we had that big earthquake, we had lots of the central sort of the CBD area just got destroyed. And so at the moment, we have lots of really cool kind of businesses that have started up um, all around Christchurch. And so that means like really cool entertainment centers, great places to eat. Uh, but at the moment, we've sort of been suffering the effects of a partial lockdown recently because of COVID. Um, and so that just means that businesses aren't doing as well as they'd like. I'm, I'm someone who likes to go into small, quirky businesses, like the pay like even a dollar or two more just to go to a butcher's and get my meat, you know, rather than a supermarket. Um, and so those kind of businesses are really suffering. Um, so actually, probably after this, I was thinking of going secondhand shopping, getting myself cast iron pan because I'm getting into cooking recently a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you, are you on Instagram? No, no, no. Okay. No, because I was going to say, like, I think you might have known him when he was still in Christchurch, but um, Dylan Jones, he actually has like a whole Instagram account dedicated to his cast iron pan. And Get he has all here. these. Yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. I would, do a, I, would, I would make a podcast just about my cast iron pan and I'd just describe it from all different angles. This is how you season it guys. Yeah. 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 Like, like Dylan talks about this. So if you, like if you're really like into that, he has this whole account, and it's, it's he's he's great. He's absolutely great. Ten out of ten, recommend it. Um, but yeah, I was I was going somewhere with that. Oh no! So you asked how I how I how Christchurch was, and then how the family's doing. Uh, yeah, so the family's yeah. doing pretty good. Um, my brother is about to sort of graduate from dentistry. It's so cool. So he's got a job in Christchurch Hospital. So. He's coming back to Christchurch. My sister, who's working in Wellington as a nurse, she's also coming back to Christchurch next year. So big family re reunion yeah. in the in the same city for a year, which would be lovely. So your entire family is in the medical field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We joke that we can open up a mission hospital together. You, you probably could. Ridiculous. Yeah. You probably yeah. could. Like, yeah. that would be so cool. And your mom's <laughs> cooking would be amazing addition to this missionary hospital thing. Oh, you have tasted her, her cooking, haven't you? Like yeah, a couple of days, I think amazing. you stayed with us. Oh, yeah. yeah, she's amazing. Mm. Like 10 out of 10 recommend. Like she should open <laughs> up her own like like kitchen. And like, <laughs> it would just be like a rotating roster of like people who aren't actually sick. But they're like, no, I, I, just, I just need your mom's cooking. That's, that's, <laughs> like don't send me to the doctor. I'm glad you said it that way because, like, often people come and say, oh, my goodness, that was amazing. And she'd be like, do you want the recipe? They were like, no, 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 it just tastes amazing. It's like if you really thought it was amazing, you'd want to learn. But, no, you just like to eat it. It's pretty yes. medicinal. So <laughs> <laughs> just, like, just, <laughs> just want Auntie Sarah to feed me. That's all I want. <laughs> Don't tell me how to make this. <laughs> you need to make it for me, please. Exactly. What what is this about personal responsibility and like helping me grow up? No, 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 no. <laughs> so true. Oh, but um, how does how did you get into medicine, Neil? Oh, oh, do, yeah. do you want to actually hear the story? No, I just asked that just to annoy you. Of course, I want to hear the story. <laughs> 
I don't tell you the story. Dang, all right. Get off me. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, I haven't even thought. Okay, so I haven't thought about it in a while, but I'll give you like a five-minute rundown of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so before I went to, um, to go down to Dunedin, mm-hmm. I was pretty sure that I wanted to do medicine or dental. I really wasn't sure. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'd spent a lot of time thinking about it, talking to mom and dad, because mom and dad are dentists. Um, but I hadn't made up my mind. So I went down to Dunedin, and actually that was the first, um, that was the year I became a Christian, like the, <laughs> during the first few months of being down in Dunedin. I didn't um, know that. Oh, didn't you? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So um, I became a Christian that year, and it was that year that I sort of started to seek God and seek whether he was uh, going to be a reality in my daily life. And that's mm-hmm. been a theme actually over the last few years <laughs> since I've mm-hmm. been a Christian is God being part of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, okay, God, I actually need your direction. You know, I can see how you directed Abraham. You told mm-hmm. him, get out of the place that you are and go into a new place. Mm-hmm. Will you be able to direct me in my life in the same mm-hmm. way? And so I said, okay, God, I am pretty sure I want to do one of these two, but I can't make up my mind. Mm-hmm. And I know that you can use my career for your glory. So help me mm-hmm. choose. Anyway, when it came time to it, remember we had to do those UMAT exams, the aptitude yes. tests. Mm-hmm. Oh, so annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did that and I'd actually done them two years in a row. But when it came down to it, I'd put in the wrong number, like the wrong year's results. And so when, when the, when the offers came out, they said, um, that I hadn't gone into medicine or dentistry and I was kind of shattered. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know what to do, but actually it ended up being really beautiful because God used that as an opportunity to to get me to trust him because I was mm-hmm. broken, but I was like, God, I still love you. And I know you love me so much and I trust mm-hmm. you. Um, a couple of days later, um, we sent an email to the department and we we're like, look, what's happened? Like the great GPA is pretty good. The aptitude test was okay. What happened? And they were like, oh, we didn't use that result. We used the other result. I was like, dang, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so when they ended up correcting it and using the right number, um, industry just refused to let any new applicants in, but medicine was the only one that was open. And oh so my they said, medicine's open for you, but dentistry isn't. And I was like, great, my mind's made up. I, could, mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bit more to the story than that, but that's essentially how I got into medicine. That's well, so I had an cool. interest in the medical field mm-hmm. and medicine was sort of chosen for me, I feel. Mm-hmm. And do you, no. do you feel like it fits you as in like the way that God created you and the path that you've taken into medicine, you're like, Oh man, God, like this, this, yes, this is ideal. Like this is exactly how you've created me. Um, I think sometimes I feel that way. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes my love of sleep says that I'm not (laughs) that way. (laughs) After I finished working a 30 hour weekend, I feel like I'm not made for this, uh, for this job. (laughs) No, like, um, (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a different kind of vibe. But yeah. like, I just don't understand. Because here in Australia, weekend doctors do 12-hour shifts. Mm. Well, they're rostered for 12 hours. Mm. But really, though, it's about 14. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm just, like, side-eyeing. Anyway, um, I just I don't agree with that mentality of, like, making doctors work for longer than they're actually capable for because they make mistakes and mm. um that 
And sometimes like as a scientist, we're on the receiving end of that mistake. So mm. for example, like one doctor at work, like rang, I was like, Hey, like, is there any way that we can have this sample ran? Mm. And the thing is like, it was a blood bank sample and blood bank is notorious for being like, it has to be handwritten. Everything yeah. has to be perfect. Yeah. And he had put a bread mark on it. He hadn't filled out the form. No. And, I was, and I was like, I'm sorry. There's literally nothing I can do. And he was like, we're dealing with human beings. And in my head, I was like, wow, we have descended to emotional manipulation in 0.3 seconds. <laughs> um, like, I was like, this is a new record. And I was like, hey, man, like, this is, this is the protocol for blood bank. Everybody knows this. No one... Yeah in the medical field is, is like, oh. like they know, they know that blood bank is like. <laughs> yeah. And no, we know but, why you guys do it as well. Yeah. 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 So yeah. anyway, he fixed it up slash the nurse who was with him fixed it up. Um, but that's okay. Oh, it's in like they had to do a recollect and. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I thought it. so. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so there was that, but yeah, man. I guess like what I struggle with Wilma more than the actual fatigue is mm. after those long hours, right? Let's just say at the end of, end of a 30 hour weekend. So I've worked 14 or 15 hours on Saturday. So I finish at around 1130. I'm asleep at about midnight, mm. get up at eight o'clock in the morning. So I've done another than 15 hours, right? Mm. Uh, on that Sunday night is what I struggle with is to love people. Mm. I really struggle with that. I really mm. struggle to treat them like I would like to be treated and to love mm. them the way I know Jesus would. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's actually been the area that God has been testing me on is mm -hmm. he's, if I could sort of put his teaching into words, it would be, I see that you can treat people well when you're rested, <laughs> mm -hmm. but what happens when you're tired and what happens mm -hmm. when you have a headache? Mm -hmm. Are you still going to love people and lay down your life and love them the way I want you to? And so I find that really beautiful. So even though it's pushing me and stretching me and I sometimes feel quite irritated, it's the part where I'm growing the most. Um, so I enjoy it and it's pushing me. And so overall, I think I do enjoy it. And I, I do enjoy the, the stress <laughs> um, because I feel self-growing. <laughs> that is the like psychopathy coming through of all things. I enjoy stress as the headache is like shaking when they're trying to like take the, the blood of the patient and it's like five people have tried and you're like, oh, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to do. Um, but like out of all of this, you, you as doctor are very time poor. How do you find the time or how do you make the time for your family, for your girlfriend, for church? Like, how do you, how do you juggle all of this? Um, that's a really good question. It's been really helpful to, to make a list of my priorities. Mm -hmm. um, and so let's just say, for example, I have, I have two things that are competing. I have friends and mm -hmm. I have girlfriend. And the two mm -hmm. of them haven't had my time for the last three days. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've made it very clear in my mind about which one is prioritized above the other. Or let's mm -hmm. just say, um, like going to church or hanging out with my friends. Mm -hmm. I, I'm very clear that my, my attendance at church is a lot more important. Mm -hmm. um, spending time in God's word, for example, is a lot more important than, mm -hmm. um, than eating, for example. So, 
Um, <laughs> that's that's a right. massive call. That is a sacrifice right there. Like, <laughs> but, my eyebrows like shot up. I was like, "Oh Jesus, I need some deliverance." Like, I don't think I would. I would. Be, I would make that call that like definitively. I would. I would have to sacrifice there. Mm. Yeah, and it's look. It's not something that comes easy, but it's. I'm finding a lot of joy in that process of having a really clear idea of what I want to, um, to prioritize highest in my life. Mm-hmm. And as a result of having that priority, I think, um, yeah, I just, I just think God is, God is just helping me to, mm-hmm. to be able to balance all those things. And sometimes it means that my friends don't have as much time with me because they're, they are lower down on my list mm-hmm. <laughs> of priorities, but it does mean that the things that do matter to me do get my time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I find myself enjoying life, um, even though I'm working 60 hours a week sometimes. Yeah. That's cool. Mm. But you're right. I do feel very time poor most of the mm-hmm. time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How then, like, because I know not in this podcast, but in our previous conversations, we've talked about of like the books that we're currently reading or the books in the Bible mm. that we're currently stuck on. Um, mm. Do you have any books that you're currently reading at the moment? Um, yeah, I do. Um, mm. So I said like books of the Bible. Is that what you're talking oh, about? Oh yeah. Books or, or, or books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so at the moment I've been reading the book of the revelation. And, Interesting. Yeah. And, and I know, like you had spent a long time going through the start. Like I remember our last conversation, how you'd spent a long time going through each and every chapter of Genesis. And then, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm just really enjoying revelation. Um, yeah. it gives me so much hope. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm not reading it anymore. Like I used to like to be like, Oh, who is the beast? Six, six, six. Better figure this one out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, my approach has been what, is the message of Jesus to, to me, you know, what is he actually trying to say to me? Mm -hmm. And when I read it in its context, um, a book to a suffering and persecuted church who are being threatened with death or bowing down and declaring that Caesar is Lord, which are they going to choose? This letter is written in that context. And then I find it so beautiful. And I'm, I'm just building up to seeing like the judgment of God as a good thing because <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the, the book of revelation paints evil as so evil, you know, like it doesn't mm-hmm. just say these people are really evil. It's like puts them in an image as like a beast, you know, and you're mm-hmm. like, Oh, that sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. That's how sin is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm just about to get to the end, which is mm-hmm. Jesus sort of reclaiming the whole earth as his mm-hmm. own. Um, and where we get to be with God once more, the the sort of union that was broken in the garden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Context is amazing, isn't it? Um, mm. I think that's probably the biggest thing that any Bible reader like needs to understand of like the reading mm. each book within its context is wonderful. And yeah. secondly, I think there's a lot of like myths around the judgment of God mm. um, verb, and type of vibe. And I just kind of want you to like uh, break that down. Like what was your process of being like going from the judgment of God is like this really big, bad, evil thing to mm. what you realized of like, oh, actually the judgment of God is a good thing. And what mm. does that look like for you? Yeah, I think 
what made it difficult to see the judgment of God as a good thing、mm-hmm. is because I was dealing with self condemnation in、mm-hmm. my own life,、mm-hmm. and so I assumed that God, like whenever I'd read judgment passages, like、um, God hates sin, like in、mm-hmm. general or specific. Mm-hmm. I would apply that to myself when the context says that that's applied to people who are outside of Christ. Whereas, so I think that was the first thing that had to fall. Actually, not every passage is not every passage that talks about sin being judged is talking to those who are in Christ. You know, and so in in light of that, and understanding that Jesus has covered us with His righteousness, you can see how how it is so important for a God who is holy and a God who do, who hates sin. To cast people out who refuse his, like his his love and mercy, that makes complete sense.、Mm-hmm. It's it's something that we would do as well. You know, like no matter where you come from or, or what your what your sort of view on morality, there are certain things that you consider abhorrent.、Mm-hmm. Right? You would consider it abhorrent, for example, if you saw someone kicking a pregnant lady, right,、mm-hmm. or or assaulting her in some way,、mm-hmm. and so you would want that person to face some sort of justice,、mm-hmm. and so. I just—it's helpful to me to see God's judgment as so much higher than that. How much more、mm-hmm. does He take like lying seriously? You know, we don't take lying as seriously, but we would take assaulting a woman quite seriously, for example.、Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so God has all these things in His mind, and then it just blows my mind. I'm like, okay, if He is so just, why is He not punishing us already? <laughs> like, why is the earth? Yeah, you get what I mean. So it changes、okay. from why is he going to judge us to why in the world is he being merciful? <laughs> I totally、yeah. agree with you because sometimes,、yeah. like when, like I'm talking to Darcy, my boyfriend, I'm like, "This is an indictment against humanity. Like, why are we、mm. still alive? Like, why haven't <laughs> we been Pompeyed? Like, this is Pompey level, like judgment level. Like,、yeah. why, why are we still、yeah. here? And yet, like, re- I recognize in that that God doesn't. He doesn't want people to perish. He's he long、doesn't. suffering,、mm, and、yeah. he wants everybody to be like, "Yo, see the gift that I have、yeah. given you in my son, and、mm. hold on to it." And it's I'm just like, that's so, that's so kind, and、it、reason、is. number ca- like cabillion why God <laughs> is so good. <laughs> <Yeah> . Because like if. God forbid, if I was somehow a deity, like a lot of people would have been dead, including myself. <laughs> like, 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 I would have been like, you know what? This this is not working.、Yeah. I'm the problem. Let's just let's just self nuke everyone out of here because this is not working. But、yeah. but God's like, no, I will die for humanity because I, I love humanity so much.、Oh. And I'm like. I know, I know,、what? like that. I just find him so merciful. So here's what I'm figuring out, right? The、mm. more seriously I see sin, and、mm. the the better I understand how abhorrent it is to God,、mm. the the more clearly I see His mercy and His love. And I I、mm. didn't expect that.、Mm. I thought maybe I just need to focus on God's love and、mm. ignore. All the bad stuff, and maybe that's how I'll become more like <laughs> Jesus. I know how weird that sounds, but that's what I was doing.、Mm. Um, but at the end of it, I'm just appreciating Jesus's grace so much, like so、mm-hmm. much, and that's only because I know how much He hates sin、mm-hmm. and how much He wants me to be holy.、Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that He came and died, you know,、mm-hmm. to bear to bear our guilt and our sin. It just、mm-hmm. means so much more. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> Um, shifting gears a little bit, how、mm. 
like as both a doctor and as like yourself, uh, how have you reckon like reconciled with the anxiety that's around COVID at the mm-hmm. moment and the whole like um well, I guess polarizing views that are within COVID across yeah. all lines and how political it has gotten like i don't know about new zealand but in australia it's slowly becoming more political and in america it's like it's always political political. yeah Yeah, (laughs) always political Mm. um i personally i don't have much of a problem with it at the moment Mm -hmm. and i don't mean that i I don't believe it's real or i don't think it's a real issue to Mm -hmm. deal with but i Initially, I had a lot of anxiety and I was really struggling with COVID um, mm-hmm. because it was keeping me away from seeing people. Mm-hmm. Um, my my girlfriend and I weren't in the same bubble and I really mm-hmm. struggled through that time. Um, and so what, I guess, how, how I reconcile like myself and COVID, like, you know, at the moment is I see it as um, as something that God has clearly allowed to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't worry about it. I know mm-hmm. that it's it might like come in and like infect everyone, or mm-hmm. it might not, and we might get rid of it and get people vaccinated. I don't know if you've heard of what's happening in New Zealand, but they're trying to get everyone or most people vaccinated before they let it in properly. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the current approach, and so yeah, that that's a current approach within like our state government mm-hmm. as well. Of that, so we're currently still in lockdown with like a 15 K radius at the moment as of the end of September. Mm. Um, and what's happened is that the state governor was like, Hey, when we reach X percentage of single vaccinated and X percentage of double vaccinated, there will be like different tiered freedoms that come out. And, um, they has been significant pushback to that. Um, mm that's putting it lightly. Um, and, <laughs> and I think everybody is a bit what like confused, hesitant to trust the state government, um, mm. which is fair. Like not all governments are benevolent. Very, very few, if any <laughs> governments are benevolent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there is a, and because, like, we live in a Western society where there is, like, that inherent distrust of, like, hey, let's mm. have a small government as opposed to, like, a large government and you have different people on each side who are like, no, big governments are the best. No, small <laughs> governments are the best. They're, like, <laughs> punching heads. Yeah. And um, it's it's quite uh, not frustrating, just quite hurtful to watch that mm. happening because the – medical like the health system is like teetering (laughs) at the moment because if they don't have because if they allow everyone to come out of lockdown and the cases spike then like there's a potential that there won't be enough beds for covid patients because as you know like it's a ratio of two nurses to one patient if it's a covid patient um so they and that's per shift mm. um so yeah. it's a lot it's a lot of nurses um <laughs> so, and uh it's it is a limited pool of nurses as well so it's like 
so yeah, it's quite interesting yeah. um, listening because I try to listen to people who are not in the medical field to see what they uh, feel like because as like quote unquote an essential worker, like I haven't had that break or like that stopping of like work yeah. that other people have had while their businesses that are never going to come back, which is terrible. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I, I like hearing different perspectives and holding space for them. Yeah. Mm. I guess. And I guess another thing I'm acutely aware of is that we were told just very recently, and I don't know if this is meant to be public knowledge, but I'll say it anyway, because it was told to all the doctors. <laughs> um, if we, even if we get like above, I think it was 94% vaccinated, Mm. we will not be able to take like the onslaught of sick people when, if, mm. if COVID's led into the country. And mm. so that, that too is a little bit, it, I get tempted to get frustrated, you know, because mm -hmm. the government, I don't know about you guys, but our government is also aiming for a certain threshold. They haven't told us mm -hmm. yet what that is. Um, but if we get there, like, even if we get there, <laughs> like we're not going to be able to cope. Yeah. We, we like on a very busy day, Wilma, like if I'm seeing like 10 people a day, mm. um, and this is with many doctors on, mm. we get through 40 patients in a 24 hour period. We were told mm. that if, if COVID comes along, we'll get a hundred patients. We don't have the beds. <laughs> we don't have mm -hmm. the doctors or the nurses. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, logistically, I think it might be a nightmare. And we're talking about literally like nurses going out to the, roads and like lining people up based on how sick they are mm -hmm. triaging them on the roads so um those ed nurses man like yeah. i pray for them because they I have know. to they have to be tough in a situation where <clears throat> it's really hard and they get accused of being bitchy and like terrible and it's like yeah. they're literally trying to do the best that they can with very little yeah. <laughs> very yeah. little and yeah. it's like oh yeah um, cause I think, I think there's a lot of, there's a lack for all governments throughout the world. There's a lack of transparency in that regard of like, Hey, mm -hmm. actually the reason why we're doing this is because our health system will collapse. And I think if they were more honest with that, people would be more willing because they would know the why rather mm. than being told, do this. And they're like, why? No, just li listen to me. I know best. <laughs> and it's like, that doesn't work for two-year-olds. I don't understand why you think that works for adults. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, it just doesn't. Um, but, yeah, like, but thank you for sharing your perspective. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I guess I see practically that there are going to be issues, but I'm mm -hmm. not, I'm not concerned. I'm not worried. I'm a little bit concerned. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Cause it is insane. Are there like stuff in the medical field that you, that you can share to the public that you're like, Ugh, why must this exist? <laughs> oh, um, as in like, just in general, mm -hmm, just in general. Oh, um, I don't think so. Um, Good. I know that there are some things that doctors get frustrated with. Um, mm -hmm. For example, like people who who come and see us every couple of days, <laughs> um, <laughs> who have sort of more than 200 encounters with their doctor in ED. <laughs> um, 
And I just yeah. wonder whether they've made any chance, to, any attempt to see their GPs. But that's probably mm. a very specific situation. We have every ED will have people like that. And so, yeah. I, I mean, that's just something that people, I think they suspect. And so, so sometimes, actually, it's a funny thing. You hear people when they come in and they'll say, oh, I'm so sorry that I came in. I feel like an idiot. And you're like, well, well, you you should come in. <laughs> Thank you for coming in. You don't need to apologize. It's the guy I see like every week. That's the guy who needs to apologize, but you're fine. <laughs> like, they've got a broken leg. I'm really yeah. sorry that I've come in. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry to annoy you. And it's like, you're, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. It's like, I just didn't have anywhere else to go. You are at the right place. <laughs> Hey, doc, I broke a nail. Can you fix it? <laughs> it's like, please just go away. Yeah, I, I can't treat your vague sense of unease, please. Like, <laughs> like oh, so great. So great. Um, so I just want to go back to what you said earlier about that your first year of uni was mm. um, the first year that you also became a Christian. Mm. Um how has that been how has that journey been for you because it's been it's been a long time um <laughs> since that eight years now yeah <laughs> um how how has your relationship with God deepened and how has that changed the way that you look at people wow um so I guess my relationship with God has 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 deepened um mm-hmm. and that has come through actually understanding the gospel and that sounds mm-hmm. really weird but when i first became a christian i was just marveling at the fact that god even like cared for me and wanted to be a part of my life and was even mm-hmm. real like that was my marvel um mm. and now i just value so much like every day what jesus has done for me mm-hmm. um and so i i guess i'm deepening in my appreciation of the gospel um, and it has definitely changed how I see people. Because at the start, I used to look at people and be like, you're stupid. Why aren't you seeing this? This is the best news. How can you say God doesn't exist? You know? that was... <laughs> Don't laugh at me. I am laughing. <laughs> but anyway, that was my attitude. And I'm, I'm saying it in a funny way, but actually it was quite judgmental. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now I... I find myself conforming to more of the way Jesus saw people as souls mm-hmm. who need, who need him. Mm-hmm. And so I can see like, and I, and I really rejoice that God has done this. I can mm-hmm. see someone who's a Nazi and I, mm-hmm. I'm a Brown dude, but I can see someone who's a Nazi who's got like, um, like Nazi tattoos on him. And I can just love this dude. And mm-hmm. just to see the response on people's faces or the homeless guy that yeah. everyone's like saying, sort of bad stuff about who's waiting in the mm-hmm. waiting room. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can go and love that person and show mm-hmm. him a love that people haven't shown that guy before. Um, and at the same time, I still haven't let go of any truths of the, of the mm-hmm. scriptures, but I'm able to yeah. love this person. Um, and I can see how Jesus now, a, a glimpse of why Jesus mm-hmm. was called a friend of sinners. He just hung mm-hmm. out with them and loved them. Um, yeah. And so that, that's, that's some of how my view of, people has changed. I see them as souls and I see them as someone Jesus loves. Yeah. That's amazing. Like, um, have, has there been moments like within your life that you've like experienced racism in terms of like the, uh, specifically talking about the Nazi person 
that you mentioned, like, and how have you dealt with that? Like, that's just a completely random question, mm. but. Um, in high school I did, mm. but I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that it was really racism. I'm, I'm not quick to use that word. Um, mm -hmm. so I would say I haven't experienced racism, but I have experienced, um, being made fun of for my accent. And, mm -hmm. and I think we do that to people from, from Southland, you know, like, or from Northland, we make fun of people's accents. But I think when you're young and you're being teased about your accent and you've just come from India, um, it, it did affect me. Um, it made me want to change my accent very quickly to fit in. Um, mm. Yeah. So th those are some, some of the effects um, yeah. of being treated that way. And so that's some of what's made me not want to do that to someone else. Mm -hmm. So I'm very aware of what I yeah. say because as doctors, you know, like even though people sort of say, Oh yeah, it's no longer hierarchy and the doctors aren't higher than the nurses. There's still a sense of fear <laughs> when people talk to us. Like they don't talk to us like we're a normal person on the street, you know, no. they have a lot of respect mm -hmm. and they, they do put a lot of weight on what we say and how we say mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. And so I'm acutely aware of that. How do I talk to my students? How do mm -hmm. I talk to the cleaners? Mm -hmm. and how do I talk to the lab staff? Because they're the guys really who who will actually tell me if I'm if I'm their friend or not, if I'm humble mm -hmm. or not. Other mm -hmm. doctors will sure they'll tell me I'm a good person, but those guys on the street or those mm -hmm. guys who people look down on, they will know mm -hmm. whether I treat them well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's amazing. That's mm. so cool. When how old were you when you moved to New Zealand from India? I was twelve. Legit. Twelve, yeah. How have we not had this conversation? Oh, yeah. I think it just didn't come up. We just like we just talk for hours about uh, about lots of stuff. But I feel like yeah, we haven't had this kind of conversation before. No, because I came to New Zealand when I was eleven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I'm like, how how have we not had this conversation before? Um. But yeah. Oh. That's that's awesome. Mm. Like, why did your parents move? Uh, better education, really. Um, back in India, we were just sort of told to memorize things. You know how, how you guys, in year, year 11, I remember, you were given a topic and then you had to write an essay. Mm -hmm. In India, you were given the topic and the essay and you were told to memorize the essay and write it down just as is. Um, so you'd be memorizing the answers two questions that you already knew were going to be there and you were just testing on how good you could memorize. Um, oh, yeah. So it's very, very, yeah. 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 So you'll find lots of people who come from India who have just been taught to memorize things. They mm. don't do very well with explaining themselves and describing things. Mm. Um, whereas I think we came in just in time where like my parents had spent a lot of time with us teaching us how to comprehend and understand. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we were able to fit in quite well in New Zealand. That's awesome. Mm. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. My brain's still like, how have we not had this conversation? Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've had every other conversation <laughs> apart from like, Hey Neil, where are you from? Because uh, <laughs> even before you said I grew up in New Zealand, I was like, oh, I didn't, but I'll explain later. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Because I just thought you grew up in New Zealand. Yeah, that's that's how much of a terrible friend I am, team. Um, I just I just did not know this part of Neil. I just I just made assumptions. Well, like 
Because I'm also an immigrant, I despise people asking me the question, so where are you from? Mm-hmm. Because what they're trying to do in that moment is like, how much respect should I give you based on the answer that you give me? Oh, damn. And like, I did, yeah, they're like, I, I need to put you in a box so that I can like relate to you well. And like, I, I, I despise that. So I never ask that of people. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't, I don't know where, you, where people come from. That's none of my business. <laughs> So, so that's why I've I've never asked. But then I'm like, oh man, like because in my like rush to be like it's none of my business, I I just I just never knew. So so sorry about that, Neil. That's okay. Neil was born well, in India, team. I, <laughs> I actually think um, that th- there is a certain cultural element to that, and there's a certain mm. um, narrative that we've told ourselves nowadays, which which means that that question is more uncomfortable than it is. So for me, it's completely normal to be able to ask someone mm. like, where, where do you come from? And then we have a mm. conversation about the similarities and differences. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas nowadays it's seen as um, what do you call it? Like something that, that makes it a separation between people. Um, mm. And I don't think that's necessary, um, mm-hmm. but I think that's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm observing it and I'm just like, that's interesting. Cause I'm completely fine with being asked it as long as mm-hmm. someone doesn't have malice behind how they're asking it. Yeah. 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 That's a fair point. I see your point. Mm. Well, mm. when I've seen it, mm. it's been about a 60-40 split of like 60% genuinely yeah. want to know where, yeah. where I've yeah. come from because they hear my, they see the way that I look and they're like, she looks African, but she sounds American, <laughs> but she doesn't act American. I'm really, com- <laughs> I'm just really confused. Um, so they're like genuinely curious and the other 40%, yeah. they're like, I, I want to put you in a box. Please tell me which box to put in. And yeah. I'm like, mm, mm, no. Um, one day I want to be like confused for a Brit though. Um, <laughs> for, I, for this reason, like I was watching Jimmy Carr um, and in it, he was talking about that if you want to slip into a different accent, you have to think of like a particular phrase that you have to think of, and then you slip into that accent. So I've always wanted to sound like I was a little bit from Essex, and I feel like I can totally nail it um, because, like, I got it. Like, I got it. You're with me, right? Like, I totally got it. I could totally be from Essex and be talking about what happened on the telly, even though I don't sound like I'm really that clever. But, like, I got it. I got it. You, you see what I mean? Like, totally. You're blowing my mind. Oh, my goodness. That, that is what I want to be known as. So, <laughs> from Essex. Because okay. I just... Here's, I just here's my challenge to you, Wilma. I reckon you should yeah. spend a whole half of your day just talking in one accent. And that's not your home accent. And just see oh. how it goes. Yeah. Just see how it goes. Yeah. That's... Uh, <laughs> That <laughs> that's what I would that's what I would try to do. Um but thank you for indulging my accent. Um <laughs> we've come to the part of the podcast where you get to ask me questions. Mm. I I did have a question that I thought of just recently. So mm-hmm. um here's my question to you, and it's related to stories. So mm-hmm. Wilma, if you if you were to think of one sort of story, mm-hmm. um that could sort of give us, give your viewers an overarching view of your life. Like, and, and I'm imagining something like a paragraph long. 
Mm-hmm. Like, is there a story that you feel sort of defines your life? And and how would you? Yeah, I'll leave it there. So there are two stories that come mm. to my mind about this, um, and they're both like in the Bible. So mm. um, you, like, the listeners are about to hear the Wilma version of these stories, but please <laughs> go and read them; they are wonderful. <laughs> so the first one uh, occurs in Kings. First Kings. And there was this prophet called Elijah who used to visit these towns um, and uh, preach the word of God and uh, love on the people in that city. And this mm. wealthy woman with her husband, like turned to her husband and was like, yo, this guy absolutely loves God and is amazing. Let's make a room for him up in our house because they were wealthy and they could do that. And then that's what they did. And the guy went to the woman and was like, Hey, um, is there anything that you like? And she was like, no, no, no fam. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> and then, um, his servant like came after the conversation with the woman, Elijah's servant came and was like, yo, she really wants a kid, but she didn't mention it, but she really wants a kid. And then Elijah called the woman back and was like, Hey, a year from now, when I come back, you're going to have a kid. And she was like, excuse you? Like, I didn't ask for this. Like, don't, do not give me hope. Just stop. Mm. Lo and behold, a year later, she was pregnant and she had given birth and it was wonderful. And then, so Elijah came out, came to the city for 12 years, like, like sequentially came out and visited this city. And then, um, one on the 12th year, the kid was in the field with the dad. And then he was like, dad, like my head, my head really hurts. And the dad was like, yeah, no, just go, just go home and lie down. And he went home, lay down and died. And then in the mom's arms <laughs> and then the mom laid him down in his bed, like closed the door and she went out and the dad was like, Hey, is everything okay? And he was like, yeah, everything's Gucci. And then she traveled to where Elijah was, burst through the doors of where he lived and <laughs> fell at his feet. <laughs> and, then, and then everybody's like, Ooh, who is she? What is she doing? She's not meant to be that. And Elijah was like, I don't know what's going on. God has not told me. Do not touch her. Like, which is a big deal because he's a prophet. God's meant to tell him everything and he doesn't know. And then she rises up and she's like, did I not tell you to not give me hope? Like, did I not tell you to do this? Like, why did you give this to me? And then he was like, he gave his staff to his servant. He was like, go lay this on the child. The child will wake up. We're coming. We're coming with you. So they, and the servant didn't raise up the child. But when they came there, Elijah prayed seven times and the child woke up and it was amazing. And for me, that story hits me because it's high level of sass. Um, like so much sass is in that story and it hit me because it's like there are things in my life that I had said to God like this is never going to happen but Mm. I'm content with this never going to happen like I'm content I'm okay with this never happening again and then but he still hears the desires of our hearts and he still gives us and all I have to do when it all literally dies and goes to like like excuse the language to go to shit i just have to bring that to him and be myself in bringing that to him because that woman didn't go she wasn't shrinking or shy being like oh i'm not allowed here she just went in there and was like did i not tell you 
Like I was there when you gave me this gift. I didn't ask for this and you still gave it to me. And so I really, mm. really like that level of sass with being like, you know, mm. whatever we ask for from God and whatever he gives us, ultimately he's the one who fixes it best. So we just give it time. So I love it. Mm. Love that God sees us. And the second story is the story of Rahab, um, mm. which is in Joshua. Yes, it's in Joshua. Um and basically the quick story about Rahab is that um, she was she was a lady of the night, but it's unclear of whether she was the um, madame of the lady of the night or if she was actually like a prostitute of that wall. Mm. But when she heard about the God, the, the God of Israel and what he had done, her heart was moved to save the people mm. uh, and to hide the spies that had come in. And she didn't, well, the text doesn't say that she did it for selfish reasons. She didn't know she was going to be saved by God. She just did it because it was the right thing to do. And that's mm. one of the things that I like. So basically the stories that I like the best are of these bold women who are willing to sacrifice themselves for the sake of the gospel. And that's the one sentence line. Yeah. Oh, that is beautiful. Thank you so yeah, much. That's all right. Um, Thanks, man. If any of your listeners wanted to look those up, um, the story of Rahab is in Joshua chapter two. Um, mm -hmm. And the lady um, and her son, uh, that's mm -hmm. in second Kings chapter four. So those beautiful stories. I remember reading those thank recently. You. They're lovely. Oh, great, yeah. great. I'm glad. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for giving them the references because I was like, I just, it's in Kings somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't uh, just like get that on my memory, guys. I just Googled it. Well, 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 Just give me a second while I move my eyes on the pages at the same time. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh. But thank you so much, Neil. It was a great chat. I enjoyed thank it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Look, I right. really appreciate being on your on your podcast. Thanks again. That's all right. That's totally all right. fine. <laughs>